Spirit of the living God, we are looking to you. We are leaning on you. We are in need of you and we are desperate for you. We want you to open our eyes, even the eyes of our understanding, and help us to see more clearly than ever before. We want you to instruct us, to counsel us, to guide us, to direct us, to order our steps and to direct our paths. For Lord, we know that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We know that broad is the gate and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many are going that way. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few people find it. God, may we find it today in this hour of Be glorified, magnified, celebrated in in Jesus' name we have prayed. All the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Well, this is exciting. So we're going to start with our scripture reading, which is found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It reads, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And all the people said, Amen. So these are the encouraging instructions and words that God gave to Joshua when he assumed the leadership of the uh, children of Israel when they were on the brink of the breakthrough, the verge of victory. They were encamped in the plain of Moab, um, uh, just before the Jordan River. And the Lord gave instructions to Joshua about taking God's people forward. Of course, Moses uh, presided over the exodus from Egypt, but thereafter, you know, he presided over a people in the wilderness who went around in circles for 40 years because they were not psychologically or spiritually ready to inherit or to possess their promises. But God said, Joshua, you're going to go in and you're going to possess the promised land. You're not going around in circles like the Moses generation. You are the Joshua generation and you're going forward to possess the promised land. I wonder how many Joshua generation people we have on this broadcast today. If you are the Joshua generation that has already decided that I'm not going to spend the rest of my life going around in circles, but I'm going to go in 
and possess the promises of God. I'm going to cross over Jordan. I'm going to cross over any limitation, any prohibition, any restriction, and I'm going to go in and possess the promises of God. I am the Joshua generation. I want you to notice that I have uh, put in bold uh, this particular promise. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now, if I were Joshua, if I were Joshua hearing God say to me that as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you, then I would expect the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I would expect manna from heaven every day, provisions, bread from heaven every day. I would expect water to come out of the rock whenever we were thirsty. And I would expect that if there were enemies come against us, that all I would need to do is keep my hands raised up and the victory would be won by our troops and our forces. I would expect that if there was division in the camp, if there was sabotage in the camp, if there was sin in the camp, that it would be exposed and eliminated by a divine intervention. I would expect all of the supernatural evidences of God's presence that were with Moses, I would expect them to be with me because God said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So if I were Joshua, I would be looking for all of those things. However, what we discover is that as soon as Joshua uh, took the reins, assumed the leadership, and became the captain of the armies of God, uh, there were some notable changes. Number one, the pillars disappeared. That's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. You know, the pillar of cloud by day was a supernatural manifestation of the presence of God that effectively hovered over the Ark of the Covenant and moved uh, through the wilderness so that Israel moved uh, whenever the cloud moved. And by day, it was a pillar of cloud, and by night, it was a pillar of fire. And this was God leading his people through the wilderness with a supernatural sign and a wonder. But as soon as Joshua uh, took the lead, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire disappeared. Second thing that happened is that the feeding stopped. The manna stopped falling from heaven and there was no water in the rock. So, you know, every day under Moses, the children of Israel woke up and there was food on the ground. It fell from heaven. It was called manna. It was nutritious and it kept them through the wilderness. Likewise, when they were thirsty, Moses spoke to the rock and the rock brought forth fresh mineral water. Well, when Joshua took the reins, the manna stopped falling from heaven and there was no water in the rock. Thirdly, the clothing stopped. You know, the Bible teaches that for the whole time that Israel was in the wilderness, that their, that their 
clothes grew with their stature and their shoes grew with their feet. In other words, God supernaturally clothed them and they did not need a new pair of shoes. They did not need new clothes because their clothes grew with their stature and their shoes grew with their feet. But as soon as Joshua took the reins and became the God-appointed leader of the children of Israel to take them over Jordan and into the promised land, uh, their clothes became tight, their shoes became tight, they needed new clothes, and they needed new shoes. Finally, when Joshua took the reins, some battles were lost. Victory was not guaranteed in battle. You know, Joshua won some battles and he lost some battles. He was victorious in battle and at other times he was embarrassed in battle. So things had significantly changed. And, uh, you know, we all know what church people are like, right? We know how church people like to uh, analyze the situation and uh, reach conclusions and, um, you know, pass verdicts. And uh, no doubt there were children of Israel in their tents talking about the good old days. You know, what it was like when Moses was around, when Moses was leading us, how that we had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, how that we had manna every morning and water from the rock, how that our clothes grew with our stature and our shoes with our feet, how that we won every battle in the wilderness because God was with us. And no doubt they would begin to analyze and compare the leadership of Moses with the leadership of Joshua. And no doubt they said, well, you know, Moses spent most of his time in prayer. Moses spent time in the mountain, uh, uh, speaking with God, hearing from God, uh, you know, receiving the laws of God and teaching the laws of God. Moses spent all of his time in the word and in the presence of God. And therefore we had all of these supernatural evidences of God's presence. Joshua, on the other hand, well, he seems obsessed with seizing cities and taking territories. He seems obsessed with possessing uh, promises, possessing the houses that we didn't build, the wells that we didn't dig, the vineyards that we didn't plant. He seems intent on possessing uh, the land that is currently occupied by the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, all of the ites that had occupied the promised land. Joshua's obsession was driving them out and taking that territory for the kingdom of God and for the people of God. And no doubt there were saints who said, you know what? Um, Joshua is not a spiritual man. He's not a prayerful man. Um, he hasn't spent much time in the mountain. He hasn't heard from God. He's not explaining the word of God. He's just focused on making uh, social and economic progress. And, uh, you know, I kind of know this because I know what saints are like. And no doubt uh, there were saints in their uh, prayer meetings praying for the old time religion. You know, they were probably singing 
the song, Give Me That Old Time Religion, It's Good Enough For Me. And they were praying for revival and for a return to the good old days, the supernatural days, the miracle days of Moses, when there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, when when manna fell from heaven. And here they were praying for these things. But Joshua was the God-appointed leader. I want us to think about this. He was the God-appointed leader. And God chose Joshua to lead Israel into the next chapter of Israel's destiny. God chose Joshua to be the man who would lead Israel across the Jordan, out of the wilderness, and into the land that flows with milk and honey. I love the book of Joshua because it is a transitional book about a transitional leader leading transitional people through transitional times. I'm going to say it again. I love the book of Joshua because it is a transitional book about a transitional leader leading transitional people through transitional times. And if you already know that we are living through transitional times and that we need transitional leadership, I need you to shout in the chat box, send up your fire emojis and make some noise up in here. We are living in transitional times. We need transitional leadership, visionary leadership, courageous leadership, um, uh, anointed leadership to lead us through these transitional times. And such was Joshua. You know, the very position of the book of Joshua in the canon of scripture attests to its transitional nature. Joshua is positioned between the five books of Moses, uh, Genesis to Deuteronomy, which promise a land and a seed to Abraham. Uh, it is situated between these five books that promise a land and then 12 history books which document Israel's occupation of that land. And so Joshua sits in between the promise and its possession. Joshua... Um, sits in between uh, a dream and a destiny. Joshua is uniquely positioned uh, between uh, Israel talking it and walking it. You know, on the one side of Joshua, Israel is talking about a promised land. On the other side of Joshua, Israel is walking in the promised land. We could say it another way. On the one side of Joshua, Israel is blabbing it, but on the next side, she is grabbing it. On the one side, she is naming it. On the other side, she is claiming it. On the one side, it's a dream. On the other side, it's a destination. On the one side, it's a promise. On the other side, it's a possession. Joshua is the transitional book about a transitional leader leading transitional people through transitional times. And in that respect, it is a handbook on transition. Joshua is a handbook on transition, and it is designed for people who want to, who want to transition from a promise to a possession, 
from a dream to a destiny, from talking about it to walking in it. And I'm wondering, is there anyone on this hour of power right now who is sick and tired of talking about something you've never walked in, uh, you know, believing for something you've not yet received, naming something you've not yet claimed, fantasizing about something that is not yet a fact in your life? Well, if that's you, then stay with us because I'm going to take you through the number one principle in the book of Joshua that explains how Israel made the transition from promise to possession, from dream to destiny, from talking it to walking it, from naming it to claiming it, from blabbing it to having it. And if you are one of those people that is ready to walk in the things you've been talking, then I need you to scream in this chat box and let's make some noise. Don't forget to share this with your family, friends, and networks because this is a prophetic word in season. So there's a big assumption, a big assumption that is being made when we read uh, verse five, where God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And like I said to you, if I were Joshua, I would assume that all the things that God did for Moses, he's going to do for me. But that is a big assumption. And the assumption uh, is when we confuse God's presence with God's performance. The big assumption is to assume that God's presence equals God's performance. Let me explain it this way. God said, Joshua, I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. That doesn't mean I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. Somebody shout yes. Joshua, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses doesn't mean I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. Don't confuse God's presence with God's performance. Never confuse God's presence with God's performance, because if you do, you're going to think that God's not with you. You're going to feel like, God, God, you're not here. If you was here, you would be doing this. You would be doing that. These things would happen. These miracles would manifest. These doors would open. All of these windows would open in heaven. All of these miracles would happen if you were here. That's the big assumption where we confuse God's presence with God's performance. God says, I'm going to be with you, Joshua, which doesn't mean I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. And I want to explain the reason why God was never going to do for Joshua what he did for Moses. And we're going to tie this into our Growing Up series so that we will understand why it is that God's performance changes with our maturation and our growth. So what I've got here as a heading is Moses, the midwife. Moses, the midwife. Because Moses presided over the birth of a nation and the infancy of that nation. The birth of a nation. No person or initiative is born fully grown. 
we all start as babes or as dependents. No one is born fully grown. No nation is born fully grown. No initiative, no business, no venture is born fully grown. We all start as babes. And this was true of Israel. The Israel that came out of Egypt was a baby. It was baby Israel. It was not fully formed. It was not fully grown. It was a baby. The crossing of the Red Sea is a powerful metaphor. The Red Sea crossing was the birth of a nation through broken waters. So the parting of the sea represented the breaking of waters and the birth of a baby. What came out on the other side of the Red Sea was baby Israel. And when babies come out, they typically come out crying. And that's exactly how Israel came out of Egypt, a baby nation crying, having passed through the Red Sea. And this is why God says to Israel that I carried you on eagle's wings. I carried you on eagle's wings. When God, you know, talks about the journey, the Exodus journey, he says to Israel, I carried you on eagle's wings. Now, the truth is that you will never see a full-grown eagle carrying a full-grown eagle on its wings. You will only ever see a full-grown eagle carrying baby eaglets. Um, and so Israel was a baby. And the interesting thing about eagles and about baby eaglets is that they are born in a very high place. And before they are born, Mama Eagle will prepare a nest and she will make the nest from branches and twigs. And then she will line the nest with fur and leaves and she will create a comfortable place for the eaglets to be born. And the eaglets are born into a comfort zone. And Mama Eagle would go out and literally catch food and bring the food back to the baby eaglets and then cut it up with her beak, break it up and literally begin to put the food into the, the eaglet's mouth. And Mama Eagle would literally take care of all of the needs of that baby eaglet uh, while it was in formation. But a day would come when Mama Eagle would return with no food in her beak. And Mama Eagle would begin to remove the fur and the leaves from the nest. And Mama Eagle would begin to dismantle the nest, the comfort zone, and pull apart the branches and all of the uh, twigs and literally break up that comfort zone. And no doubt those baby eaglets, you know, if, if they could sing, they would be singing, give me that old time religion. <laughs> yeah. If they could sing, they would be singing, take me back to the place where I first believed you. If they could pray, they would be binding the devil and casting out evil spirits. They'd be pleading the blood uh, because something has got into Mama Eagle and Mama Eagle is breaking up the nest. When Mama Eagle has finished breaking up the nest, she will then push those eaglets, push them off of the edge of a high place, push them. Why is Mama Eagle pushing the baby eaglets? 
It is because Mama Eagle knows that you were born to fly, that you have the capacity to spread your wings and fly. I'm not pushing you to hurt you. I'm not breaking up this comfort zone in order to hurt you. I'm breaking it up and I'm pushing you off so that you will discover in you a power that God gave you. You will discover in you a capacity, an ability that you were born to master. And I'm going to push you off and I'm going to watch over you. I'll catch you uh, if you don't make it on the first time, but I want you to spread your wings and I want you to begin to fly. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, and there's a clue. God said, look, I carried you through the wilderness on eagle's wings. But that simply means there's going to come a day when I'm going to push you into a place where you are going to have to find in yourself a capacity, an ability, an anointing, and a grace to fly. Oh, somebody say, I believe I can fly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the other thing we notice about the wilderness is the crying criteria, the crying criteria. You know, the supernatural was always elicited through crying. Uh, in other words, you know, when Israel needed food, they cried to the Lord. When they needed water, they cried to the Lord. When they were in trouble, they cried to the Lord. Whenever there was a problem, they cried to the Lord. And they found out that if we cry, then, then God steps in. Sounds to me like a baby. This is baby Israel crying whenever they need something from God. And this is perhaps why the wilderness was such a supernatural place. It was a supernatural place. Now, I want you to think about this. You know, if you could interview a baby, if you could interview a baby, if Sky News or CNN could interview a baby, the interview would go something like this. Well, baby, how are you feeling today? And the baby would say, I'm feeling fantastic. Never been better. This is an amazing day. It's a day the Lord has made. Okay, why is that? Tell me about that. And the baby would say, well, it's just one miracle after the next. You know, when I'm hungry, uh, food just comes into my mouth. It's supernatural. When I'm thirsty, the drink just comes into my mouth. It's supernatural. When I'm all blocked up with wind, then there's just hand just, just, just hits me on my back and just it's all broken up and, and I feel great. And, you know, sometimes I fall asleep in one place and I wake up in another. You know, when I'm when I'm feeling uh, uh, frightened and vulnerable, I, I'm comforted uh, automatically. And whenever I make a mess of myself within no time, it's all cleaned up and I'm fresh and I'm feeling fantastic. It's just miraculous. And then the baby would say, and I found the key. I found the master key that releases all these miracles into my life. The key, all I have to do is cry. And as I cry, I get fed. As I cry, I get dr uh, uh, drink. As I cry, I'm clothed. As I cry, I'm comforted. As I cry, I'm shielded. As I cry, uh, I am transported. As I cry, everything works out for me. You see, Moses was the midwife 
who presided over the birth of a nation. And that's why God said, Moses, uh, Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do for you what I did for Moses. A baby left Egypt, but a baby can't run a country. Israel had to grow out of Egypt and grow into the promised land in order to possess it. Let's think about this now. You know, God brought Israel out of Egypt in order to bring them into the promised land. In Egypt, they were slaves, but in the promised land, they were going to be masters. In Egypt, they were tenants, but in the promised land, they were going to be landlords. In Egypt, they were under the government of, of another nation, but in the promised land, they were going to be the government of a new nation. And, and so a baby left Egypt, but a baby cannot run a country. You cannot put government on the back of a baby. God says, Israel, you're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to grow up. I'm going to say it again. You're going to have to grow up because you cannot take the mindset and the skill set uh, of slavery uh, into the promised land. You cannot take the lifestyle and the language of, of, of a baby into the promised land. You're going to have to grow up. And that's why Israel didn't just come out of Egypt and into Canaan. You know, God is so powerful, he could have just lifted Israel up out of Egypt and just dropped them into the promised land. But they would not have been ready to run a country. So the wilderness was a school. It was a school of hard knocks. It was the university of experience. And only those who graduated from the wilderness university went on to possess the promised land. Somebody shout amen. Your wilderness is your school. Your wilderness is your school. Your wilderness is your school. You know, God is teaching you how to lead. He's teaching you how to manage. He's teaching you how to be a steward of of, of his kingdom and of his things. He is teaching you how to be a landlord. He is teaching you mastery. And he's teaching you in the school of the wilderness. And only when you are ready to go into your promises, only when you have grown up and are ready to go in, is God going to open the door and say, it's time for you to cross over Jordan and enter the promised land. You can't go into the promises. You must grow into them. That's really the message of Moses and Joshua. You can't just go into the promised land. You have to grow into the promised land. Because under Moses, you're going to look up for your food. But under Joshua... You're going to break up the fallow ground, sow seed, and reap a harvest. You're going to look down for your food. You know, under Moses, you're going to look to God to clothe you. Uh, but under Joshua, you have to grow to the place where you can manufacture clothing. And under Moses, 
um, God's going to fight for you. But under Joshua, God's going to fight with you and he's going to fight through you. And so you have to be a bigger person in order to possess your promises. This is the master key. It is a major key to possessing promises. You don't go into the promised land. You grow into the promised land. And to grow, you have to grow out of Egypt and you have to grow into Canaan. Canaan was the promised land. You have to grow out of Egypt and into Canaan. You have to grow out of a slave's mindset, out of a tenant's mindset, out of the dependency mindset. And you have to grow into a master's mindset, into a landlord's mindset, into a soldier's mindset, into a farmer's mindset, into a builder's mindset. It's about growing out of one way of life and into a new way of life. Now, I want to I start to close with this. How God treats you will change as you grow. Of course it will. We all know this. Uh, we've all experienced this. You know, when you're a baby, mama puts the food in your mouth. But as you grow, mama will put the food in a plate on the table with a spoon. And then as you grow and you'll say, mama, where's the food? Mama's going to say the food is in the cupboard. You need to make it for yourself and you need to make some for me. And then as you grow, you're going to say, mama, there's no food in the cupboard. And she's going to say, that's right. It's in the shop. You need to go to the shop and buy the food. And then she'll say, and you'll say, Mama, uh, I need the money to buy the food. And she'll say, it's time for you to get a job, to go and get a job, get the money and buy the food. And you begin to put food in the house and you begin to put food on the table. Now, she's still with you. She's still with you, but she's not doing for you the things she used to do because there comes a point in the maturation of a human being. There comes a point in the development of a child where helping becomes a hindrance to growth. You know, if we kept on putting food in your mouth for the rest of your life, you would never grow up. And so part of the process of growing up means that I'm not going to do for you what I used to do because you now have the capacity to do it for yourself. And if I keep doing it for you, you're never going to do it for yourself. So I want you now to begin to do some things for yourself. This is important, and I'm going to start to close with this. God gives you food. In childhood, he gives you food, money, shelter, protects you from anything that causes discomfort. But as you as you transition from childhood to sonship, God gives you tools and opportunity. He gives you ideas and he permits discomfort to drive change and to grow your capacity. Woo! This is so very powerful. And so I'm speaking to those of you who feel like, you know, uh, you know, years ago I used to pray and God would just answer my prayers and just give me a miracle. But today it's different. And I'm praying that God will take us back to the old days. Listen to me. God is not taking you back to the old days. God wants to open your eyes to a new future. And he wants you to realize 
that actually he is calling you to become a responsible steward over your health, a responsible steward over your finances, a responsible steward over your family, a responsible steward over your ministry. He's calling you to to a place of responsibility because when you reach that place of responsibility and say, ah, I get it. God is with me. He is 100% with me, but he's not going to feed me and clothe me and carry me like he used to because he wants me to grow up and to become everything that I am destined to be. Somebody shout amen and amen. Well, growing up is the great theme for this month. Growing up is what we're praying into in our daily prayers. Growing up is what we're teaching, uh, you know, in our teaching. We are ministering on the subject of spiritual growth, spiritual maturation, and becoming a bigger and a better version of ourselves. Now, Father, in the glorious name of your Son, our Savior Jesus, we're grateful for another opportunity to hear the good word of God. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It gives us direction. It gives us comfort. It gives us strength and it gives us courage. I pray for someone that has been on the fence, someone that's not sure, someone that's that's been watching and, and hasn't fully committed to Christ. I pray that this will be the day that they say, yes, yes, Lord. I say yes to your offer eternal life. I say yes to the forgiveness of sins. I say yes to a new birth. I say yes to an eternal home in heaven. I say yes to your love. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, This is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.